Parashat Shelach Summary Bnei Israel were to be entering Eretz Israel very soon. They were happy, but were concerned that they would not always be on a level of tzidkut, righteousness, that would allow the seven nations that lived there to be conquered through miracles. They wanted to send spies to check out the land so they would know the best way to enter and conquer without relying on miracles. When they approached Moshe with this idea, he was upset, since this showed a lack of bitachon, trust, in Hashem. When Moshe asked Hashem what to do, Hashem told him to choose 12 tzaddikim, one from each tribe. Shevet Levi, which did not have a portion in the land, did not send a spy. Moshe Rabbeinu's main student was a man named Hoshea. He was chosen to join the Miraglim, the spies. Moshe added the letter Yud onto his name, since this letter stands for Hashem's name. With this, Hashem, Moshe was praying that Hashem should save him from the plot of the spies. The spies entered Eretz Israel from the south. Wherever they went, important people were dying. Hashem did this so the nations will be so busy with the burials, they will not be interested in the Jews that were spying. Another miracle was that anyone that said these are Jewish spies became unable to speak. Kalev, one of the other righteous spies, like Yoshua, went off to pray in Hebron at Me'arat HaMachpelah. There he pleaded with Hashem to give him the strength to withstand the evil plans of the other ten spies. They noticed that Eretz Yisrael was really a land flowing with milk and honey, and the fruits were huge. They decided to bring back fruits to show to everyone. If their fruits are so big, imagine how big and strong their people are, they said. It took one person to carry a pomegranate, one person to carry a fig, eight people to carry a grape cluster. Since their intentions were wicked, Yeshua and Kalev, who was married to Moshe's sister Miriam, didn't join them in their plan. After a trip of 40 days, the spies returned. Instead of telling their report only to Moshe and Aharon, they delivered it to all the Jews. They told them, the land is fruitful. That's true. The fruits are huge. That's true. The people are also huge. That is also true. We will not be able to defeat them. And that was false. When the Jews heard this report, they became even more frightened. Kalev got up to tell the Jews to trust in Hashem and Moshe, but the Jews refused to listen to him. The night when they gave the report was the ninth day of Av in the year 2449. The Jews spent the night crying. Hashem declared, You cried for no reason. I will give you a reason to cry on this day. That day will forever be known as Tisha Be'Av. Hashem was very angry and threatened to destroy the Jewish people. Moshe Rabbeinu prayed and mentioned some of the special qualities of Hashem's mercy, the 13 attributes of mercy. Hashem accepted Moshe's tefillah, yet decreed that all men who were 20 years old and above when they left Egypt will not be allowed to enter into Eretz Israel. As well, corresponding to the 40 days the spies went around Eretz Israel. Bnei Israel will wander 40 years in the desert. The only men who were not affected by Hashem's decree were Kalev and Yehoshua and the entire tribe of Levi. The ten spies who spoke bad were punished midah keneged midah. Their tongue, which spoke evil, became so long that they went down to their na- into their navel. Worms crawled out of their mouths into their insides and caused them to die. Some Jews wanted to do teshuvah and to show that they were wrong for not trusting Hashem. They decided to go fight against the nations living in Eretz Israel. Moshe told them not to go, but they didn't listen. 
As soon as they reached the mountain, they were attacked and killed. While Bnei Israel were mourning for these sad events, Moshe taught them some new halachot to comfort them. And simcha ela Torah, there is no real joy except for Torah. For example, when making around five pounds of flour into dough, one is required to separate a portion from it and give it to the Kohen. This portion is called chala. Nowadays, since we are all impure, instead of giving it to a Kohen, we burn it. There were Jews who saw a Jew collecting wood on Shabbat. It's a machlok, it's an argument what exactly he was doing. Although he was warned, he continued. Some say the man did it with good intentions to impress upon the Jews the seriousness of keeping the Shabbat. They came to Moshe to tell him of the Chilul Shabbat. Moshe knew he was liable to the death penalty, Chayav Mita, yet was unsure as to which of the four types of death the man should receive. Moshe asked Hashem, and Hashem said that this man is Chayav Sekila, stoning. The last part of the parasha speaks about the mitzvah of tzitzit. We are required to put tzitzit on any garment that has four corners. On each set of tzitzit, one of the threads is to be dyed bluish-green, called techelet. To machloket exactly what color it is, however. The coloring for this comes from a creature called the chilazon. Today we are unsure exactly what techelet is, so most refrain from that part of the mitzvah. Even though we are only required to wear tzitzit when we happen to wear a four-cornered garment, since the mitzvah of tzitzit is so great, the Chachamim were posek and decided that we wear tzitzit throughout the day.